from Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network at USA Today. This is the Trojans Wired Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Zemick and Ian Hest. Welcome to the latest episode of Trojans Wire, the in-house uh, production of the website Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network. It's Pac-12 Tournament Week. This is your host, Matt Zenick, along with co-host and producer Ian Hest. And uh, it's time to preview some Pac-12 Tournament, time to preview a bracket. It's bracket season. And to help us, we have the editor of Ducks Wire, Zachary C. Neal, uh, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-C-N-E-E-L, Neal with two E's. Uh, does a fantastic job along with Don Smalley and Andy Patton and the team at Ducks Wire. And we also have Chase Howell, staff writer for Buffalo's Wire. Uh, works with Jack Carlo and Matt Wadley uh, over at Buffs Wire. Does an outstanding job for uh, coverage of CU sports. So they're both here to help us preview the Pac-12 tournament. So as we bring you on to the show, guys, the obvious uh, point of intrigue that unites Ducks Wire and Buffalo's Wire that you could have a four versus five quarterfinal uh, to get the shot probably at Arizona in the semis. Now, Arizona State's been playing really well, but, uh, you know, the odds on favorite for that quarterfinal is Arizona. So the Buffs and the Ducks might battle for a shot at Arizona. So let's start with you, Zach. You know, the, the at-large candidacy is done for Oregon, and you, you didn't even get the buy, so you have to win four games in four days. So starting Wednesday against Oregon State, we assume that Oregon's going to beat Oregon State, but the way the program is going, you don't <laughs> know for sure. <laughs> if we, if we, let's assume we get that Oregon Colorado quarterfinal. What are you going to be looking for in that game? Yeah, you're right. We're, Oregon is kind of limping to the finish line here. I mean, like you just said, you you got to assume that they beat Oregon State. I'm not convinced at the moment that they will because we don't really know the status of Will Richardson. Uh, their leading scorer, probably their best player. He's had a tough stretch of a few games, and he's he sat out the last game of the season. He's not feeling well. So, um, But like you said, if they get to that quarterfinal game against Colorado, um, I think it's going to be a great matchup. I mean, we've played Colorado twice this year, went one and one. Um, strangely, we won the game in Boulder, which we hadn't done, I think, ever in program history, but we lost the game at home. Um, the, those two teams play each other really well. Um, Colorado's got a few players, Jabari Walker, Evan Beatty, that give the Ducks problems. Um, so those are someone that you're going to have to watch out for. But, you know, it, to be completely honest, I'm completely flummoxed by this Oregon team because, you know, one game they're hanging with Arizona and, and leading USC for a while. The next game they're losing to Washington and Washington State on the road, and they look terrible. So, um I hope it's a good game. I hope we get that matchup, but I can't say how much confidence I have in them getting there and winning that game. So, Chase, how about uh, sizing up a, an Oregon-Colorado quarterfinal, if we get it, from your point of view over at Buffs Wire? Yeah, well, just like Zach said, the two games this season were both really good games, and we weren't used to the road team winning that game, so it's kind of cool to see a change up. Um, but I think, it, to me, it comes down to guard play. And I think that's what has hampered really both teams throughout the year is inconsistent guard play. Um, Oregon, it seems like when they're at their best, they're getting a lot out of Jacob Young and Will Richardson. 
Um, I know Jacob Young went off in that second game against Colorado in Boulder. Um, CU had a really tough time guarding him, especially his speed and his ability to get to the hoop. And so I think um, just like with CU, if they can get good production out of their guards, KJ Simpson, Keyshawn Bartholomew, I think they can handle Oregon. And it's the same way on the other side. And obviously that comes down to whether Will Richardson is going to play or not. Um, I think that's going to be very important. So Chase, uh, let's let's uh, consider what might happen if Colorado beats Oregon and then plays Arizona. Now you already thrashed the Wildcats. It's one of the biggest upsets of the season in college basketball. In order to get the automatic bid, you got to beat the Cats twice, most likely. Now I know you'll be rooting hard for Arizona State in in the quarterfinals, assuming Arizona State beats Stanford, of course, but that's likely. Um, it, let's say Arizona's there in the semis and you get another shot at them. How are you going to beat this team twice? Like it, it, it's not just good. You're not going to have a home court advantage in Boulder. You're going to need something extra. Who's going to provide that something extra for the buffs? Yeah. Arizona. I mean, it's pretty obvious. That's a team that's going to be really, really tough to beat twice. And the reason they beat them in Boulder is they, they just outplayed them the entire game. They were the tougher team. And Arizona has won a lot of their games this year based off physicality. Uh, I really like the front court that they have, but CU dominated that front court. Coloco, uh, Balo, everybody else on that Arizona front court could, couldn't do anything. Um, and that's obviously going to be a huge key if they do get that matchup. But I think they would probably struggle. I think Arizona would remember how they played CU a few weeks ago. And I think Arizona would come out much more ready and much more prepared for what Colorado would bring. Now, Zach, uh, you know, you didn't beat Arizona, but you sure came close and you led the Wildcats by 12 uh, in that game in Tucson before falling just short. But it, it was one of Oregon's very best games of the season. One could say it was the best game of the season, even though it didn't lead to a win. So how does Oregon pick up the pieces, regroup, and make another big run at Arizona if you're able to get past Colorado and get into the Pac-12 semis on Friday. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that probably was the best I've seen Oregon play all year, and it didn't lead to a win. They had a shot at it late. Uh, Will Richardson, uh, for some reason, passed up a chance at a, a game-tying three and took a contested two that didn't really matter, but that's a, a different conversation. But, you know, if, if they get to that game – they will, like Chase said earlier, it all comes down to guard play for Oregon if they want to be in any game. You need a good game from Will Richardson, a good game from Jacob Young. Uh, last time we played Arizona, they both had solid games. Richardson had 22 points, but what really was the factor was that Quincy Garrier and then Folly Dante had outstanding games. I mean, Garrier had 21 points. He, was, he had six threes, which was just crazy. We haven't seen that from him all year. And then Dante had... 13 points, 15 rebounds. I mean, he was a force inside, and he really is what put Oregon over the edge. So um, if we get there, we we know that we have to rely on our, our leaders, our guards, to keep us in it. But, you know, you're going to need something a little bit extra against a team like Arizona, and you need some of those role players to come up and, and have a good game in order to keep it in. So for, for both, both of you, like who's an under-the-radar player who might use tournament time as the moment to step up and elevate his team. Let's start with Chase and then go to Zach. Yeah, for the Buffs, it's K.J. Simpson. It's the true freshman. He just keeps on getting better every single week. Um, and we love how aggressive he is. And he plays with his head down and he loves to get to the hoop. 
Um, and he's just been a really solid point guard for the Buffs this year on, on a team that they really didn't know who was going to be able to take over for McKinley Wright. And I think KJ Simpson has kind of stepped into that role. Obviously, he's still young. He still makes a lot of mistakes. He turned over the ball a lot more in the first half of the season than he did in the second half of the season. But as he started to cut down those turnovers, get more confident, um, he's become a really good point guard. And I think he could have a really good Pac-12 tournament for the Buffs. And Zach? For me, it's between Quincy Garrier and Eric Williams. Uh, it, it seems to be that when either one of those guys has a really good game, I mean, they get you 13, 15, 17 points. Uh, the Ducks are in pretty good position. I think that I'd go with Garrier because he's in the starting lineup. He's shown that, you know, when he has those games, Oregon tends to win. And he's had some of those games in the, the biggest spotlights. I mean, he had that game against Arizona. He's played well at the end of this this year, despite the Ducks not having too much success. But um, And he's, he's a transfer from Syracuse who's, you know, played against some of these big teams before. So uh, I think he'd probably be my pick for that spot. Guys, I wanted to, to ask you, because the way that we're talking makes it seem like it's a, you know, done deal that it'll be Arizona against either Oregon or Colorado. But, you know, like that Arizona State game was tough for Zona earlier in the year. Like both both of those teams, Arizona State, Stanford, like like they could possibly give problems for them. If, if there is an upset, I mean, like Arizona State beat – I think both programs earlier in the year are, are we overlooking what the possibilities of this bracket could look like and just like automatically anointing Arizona already? My view of Arizona state might be different than you guys, just because I watched them walk into Boulder and really hand the buffs um, a new one. I don't know what I'm allowed to say on this podcast, but um, Be they, free, they, Chase. Run free, like all right, well, they, they basically walked into Boulder and kicked the Buffs' ass. Uh, they completely dominated the entire game, and um, ASU has gotten better as the season goes on. That's obvious. I think they've won what their last four games. I think they won like seven of their last eight. Um, so that's a team that's playing their best basketball right now. And once you get into March, no matter what had happened earlier in the season, sometimes it does come down to the hottest team. We we saw Oregon State make the run last year. Pac-12 tournament, uh, Georgetown in the Big East tournament. So you can get one of these teams come from the bottom of the conference, especially if they've been playing really good basketball and make a run. Yeah, I think Arizona State is definitely kind of I, – I don't think it's a crazy assumption to say that they're the pick to make a run in the Pac-12 tournament too. It, it obviously come against a, a strong Arizona team. But, you know, I, I've got that perspective of Arizona State too. They were 2-0 and against Oregon this year. They blew them out once and beat them in overtime another time. Uh, they've got such a balanced team. I mean, they have five players that are averaging double digits right now. And they've got so many places that they can go on offense to, to get buckets. And if they continue this hot streak, I would absolutely not be surprised to see them down Arizona. It's going to take a great game from them, but I think they can definitely do it. So, Chase, uh, you know, I know that you, you, you have a time commitment, so I want to make sure that we get a full perspective on Colorado basketball at the at the end of this uh, Pac-12 season from you. So, you know, Tad Boyle lost McKinley Wright. Uh, we knew that it was going to be a difficult slog for, for the Buffs this year. They were going to have to work through some limitations. And it got really ugly uh, midway through the season. The blowout loss 
to Washington State. And then there was also that very rough uh, night against Arizona State in Boulder, as you mentioned. And yet Tab Boyle was able to get this team's attention. He was able to pull everybody together. The big upset of Arizona. Then go into Salt Lake City where, hey, you know, Zach's Ducks nearly lost. So, I mean, even in a bad year for Utah, the Huntsman Center is not a piece of cake. And yet Colorado won convincingly in Salt Lake City. How do you view the, the, the full body of work that Tad Boyle has produced this season, even though it's probably not going to amount to an NCAA tournament berth? Yeah, Colorado has had plenty of tough nights in Salt Lake City, no matter how good Utah is. That game's never cakewalk. And um, there was good reason why Utah was actually favored. I think they're a two-point favorite. Um, before that game so yeah that that was a huge win but overall with Tad Boyle I think this is one of his best coaching jobs this is a team that I think was picked seventh in the Pac-12 um, by the media and obviously they lost a lot of talent um, quite a few seniors Dallas Walton Deshaun Schwartz um, both did really well this season um, Walton transferred to Wake Forest Deshaun Schwartz transferred to George Mason both had great years uh, Jariah Horn transferred to Tulsa for his last year and also had a great year with them. So they lost a lot of their uh, upperclassmen. They only had two upperclassmen on the roster. And then Eli Parquet, one of them ends up getting hurt in, in the middle of the season. And he was their best defender. Um, so they've had a lot of young guys. They're all freshmen, sophomore, really they're mostly freshmen. If you don't count the COVID year um, that have had to play a lot of minutes for this team. And it's impressive what they were able to do down the stretch. There's no doubt about it. And, um, This is a team that has not been in the top four of the Pac-12 very often. This is only the second year that they've been in the top four and gotten that first round by, and last year was the first year. So that's just how good Tad has done this season. And nobody – I don't think anybody picked them to be um, at least top four, and nobody picked them to be in the NCAA tournament, which it seems like isn't going to happen. But to still have a shot at this point in the season is pretty wild. So Chase, let me follow up on that. You know, one thing I believe, and I've talked about this with Ian on previous Trojans Wired podcasts over the past few weeks, my belief is that if something's bad for Pac-12 basketball as a whole, it's good for USC because USC fills in the power vacuum because other programs such as Zach's Oregon Ducks, I have to say it, you know, don't, don't measure up. But USC's benefited from Oregon's failures. Do you think that do you share that fundamental belief about Colorado that if something's bad for Pac-12 basketball as a whole, the buffs stand to gain because they're able to step up into that power vacuum. And that's why they were able to get a buy for the second straight year. Or do you have a different view? Do you think that, you know, we need the, the Pac-12 to grow in all aspects and Colorado can still be part of holistic growth throughout the conference? What would you say to that particular question? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And, I kind of, especially with this season, I kind of want to take the latter just because um, I think if national perception of the Pac-12 had been better, then Pac-12 might be able to get four or five teams into the tournament. The fact that they're probably only going to get three teams into the tournament um, as a power conference conference, I think is um, obviously pretty poor and not up to the standard that we would expect of the Pac-12. So I think the national perception had been better this year. Um, then they automatically do get four teams and a team like Colorado is in. Okay. And one more question. We know you have to go one more question. And that is, you know, do you think that this team's pretty set to make the 2023 NCAA tournament precisely because so many young players got so many minutes, such a chance to go through the ups and downs of a season and that next year, their growth is going to be substantial or 
Do you think that with some of the pieces leaving that Tad Boyle needs to make a significant addition in the transfer poll to make sure that this team is NCAA tournament quality one year from now? Um, I think both. I think the answer is yes to both of those. And one of the keys is obviously going to be Jabari Walker, whether he wants to go to the NBA or not. Um, I'm sure he's going to end up testing the waters, likely not sign an agent, test the waters, um, see if he is going to get drafted late first round, early second, um, to be able to make it worth it. So that it's going to come down to Jabari Walker. If they do end up losing Jabari Walker, then Tad will have to go into the transfer portal. Um, they're going to need some front court help. Obviously, losing Evan Batty after this year, if they lose Jabari Walker, it's basically their best two front court players and really the only two productive um, front court players this entire season. They brought in the number 13 recruiting class in the nation last year, um, but actually a lot of those guys haven't played much. K.J. Simpson is really the only key contributor from that class. Lawson Lovering, Quincy Allen, the two top-rated recruits from that class, both got, went out with season-ending injuries. Quincy Allen didn't even play um, the entire year. So as those guys get healthy, those guys are all four-star recruits, and then obviously all the experience that you're getting um, from your underclassmen this year. I think they are an NCAA tournament team. But if Walker leaves, I think they're going to have to go in the transfer portal, get a big man to really be a team that can make a sweet 16, elite eight type of run. So Chase Howell uh, of Buffalo's Wire, you do a great job along with uh, editor Jack Carlo and also with Matt Wadley, who also helps us out here at Trojans Wire. Hey, we're going to be reading Buffalo's Wire during the Pac-12 tournament. Thanks for joining us on the Trojans Wired podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate it. All right. We continue with Zach Neal, uh, editor of Ducks Wire, as we continue to preview the Pac-12 tournament. And Zach, we'll, we'll ask some Oregon overview questions in just a bit, but what's your overall look at this bracket? Now, we haven't talked about the bottom half of the bracket, which has the Washington schools and the Los Angeles schools. Any f big uh, first impressions of this bottom half of the bracket? Um, I know that uh, John Wilner, you know, the Pac-12 journalist, he says that you know, USC losing to the Washington-Utah winner, that, that's a very possible upset pick because, as he pointed out, USC tends to play to the level of the competition. Uh, Washington State, of course, had a, a, a great week winning a bunch of games, including the, the decide, decisive win over Oregon on Saturday. Do you have a strong upset pick in this bottom half of the bracket, or do you think that the Los Angeles schools are going to rise up and put some chalk in this half of the Pac-12 tournament? You know, coming in and preparing for this podcast, I definitely I, I filled out a little bit of a bracket. I ended up going chalk, but if I were to pick an upset, I would say it was Washington State over UCLA. I mean, I don't really see – I've got Utah beating UW. I think that UW is a little bit too just too disjointed to make a giant run. I know that they could get hot. They looked good against Oregon last week, but, hey, who doesn't at this point in the year? Uh, I think that Washington State has a chance to make a little bit of a run I like what they do up there in Palouse. But to be honest, I i mean, there's the three big names in the Pac-12, Arizona, UCLA, USC. And I think that they're they are really good teams and they're going to be there at the end. Um, if I were to make a championship pick, I've got Arizona and USC in the final. And I have Arizona winning that one in a, a pretty close game late. But uh, I think these heavy hitters are, are here to prove that, you know, the Pac-12 has some good teams. They may not have the depth of, of some of the other of the other conferences in the nation, but you no, know, at the top they're as good as anyone. So I think we're going to see that in the tournament. So are you calling a shot with Washington State over UCLA, or or, or you ultimate you you said you filled out UCLA in your bracket, but like you you, you yeah, you, like a you I'm have not, a slight lean to UCLA in that one. 
Yeah, I'm not going to call it. I think US, UCLA is, is too talented and they'll win that game. But if I were to pick an upset, I could see Washington State doing that. I, I would just lean Washington State as the upset over Utah or UW over USC. Okay. Um, so let's look, let's look at the Oregon Ducks. You know, I've, I mean, we've all been watching Pac-12 basketball the past season and, and we just, we, none of us can believe what's happened. Like it just, every, every game and even the good nights for Oregon were, were surprises. Like, where did this come from? Like, especially the game in Tucson at the McHale Center, where, where like, where was that team all year long? So even in good moments, Oregon has uh, puzzled everyone. So like, I know that you and Don and, and Andy at, at Ducksquire, I know that you think about this every day. What, like, as you continue to toss this around in your mind, like what keeps coming back as the central theme or the central problem that Dana Altman has to be able to solve, not just this week in Vegas, odds are pretty low there, but for in the off season and heading into 2023. Man, I wish I had some answers for you. <laughs> it's been a, a perplexing season because you know, coming into this year, I thought that they had as much talent as almost any Duck team that we've seen over the past five years. I mean, you bring in guys like Jacob Young and Davion Harmon and Quincy Garrier. You've got okay. Let me trans- let me stop you yeah. right there. Like, Go ahead. as much talent as the number one seed in 2016, as much team as talent as the Final Four team in 2017. That's a big statement. It's a big statement, but I mean, on paper, before we saw these guys play, I mean. Let me rephrase. So going into each year, we knew that we know that Dane Allman, you know, he aligns Rubik's cubes. He gets these guys to play well together on the floor and he figures it out. So we, I mean, for a reason, thought that all of these talented players are going to come in and find a way to play together. That is what has not happened yet this year. And so, I mean, yeah, these, you see these guys, what they've averaged, uh, putting up stats on different teams. When they come to Oregon, we have high hopes because we're thinking that, all right, Dana is going to get the absolute best of these guys and figure out how to make this a cohesive team. And that's just what hasn't happened this year. And uh, it's, it's been tough to watch because I think one of the biggest problems is that we have not seen what we expected from Will Richardson, who is their senior guard. He's the, he's the leader of the team, the leading scorer. And he's, I mean, he's getting 14 points, almost four rebounds and three assists per game and just not playing like the normal will that we know. And he's been really up and down. He's had some good games. He's had some really bad games. This past stretch where they've lost six of the last eight, he's been almost invisible in the past few games. Uh, So I think that if I were to pinpoint the biggest problem of the year, not that he's been a problem, but it's just the lack of a leader and a lack of a leading score consistently night to night that has really doomed them in the end. Zach, I'm hearing you talk, and and honestly, we we talked about it before the show started off air. We were talking about how uh, you might think that Oregon might need to win the entire Pac-12 tournament to to make the NCAA tournament. And, like, I was going through comparable resumes to Oregon right now, and the the ones that, that are the closest are, like, Kansas State, which, okay, maybe not in the tournament. Michigan, which is on the fringe. Wake Forest, barely in. But Iowa State, that's a projected number nine seed. It's all over the radar on this so much so that I I wonder where the uh, lack of confidence comes from that they need to make this big run coming up in this this upcoming week in order to to really have a chance at at playing – 
past this past week? I think a lot of that is because the the overall view of the Pac-12, which you and, and Matt have talked about a lot. I know that the Pac-12 just kind of viewed as this this weaker conference, even though they had a, a great performance in the, the whole tournament last year. But, you know, they, they came into this year needing to prove that that was real. And to be quite honest, I don't think they have. I mean, we've got teams like Oregon State who – what is the, what's the stat that the first team to lose over 20 games after reaching an elite eight the year before? It's just uh, the the depth in this conference hasn't really stood up. And when you specifically look at Oregon, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking that, yeah, if they, if they won the majority of their final games and then made it a couple rounds of the Pac-12 tournament, they could get on the tournament. But then they, they really just kind of, they dropped the ball at the end of the season. They lost six of their final eight, and they did not look like a cohesive unit. They didn't look like a team that deserved to be in the tournament. And, you know, I'm sure if they, if by some miracle, they end up winning the Pac-12 tournament getting in, they've got a fighting shot because we know that at their best, this Oregon team can play with the Arizonas, can play with the UCLA's, the USC's, and good teams. So um, that's just kind of what's been so weird about this year is that, they're, they're so inconsistent, and they've shown us a little bit of everything, but we have no idea what to ex- expect each night. So, Zach, uh, big picture. Did this team miss Chris Duarte or former assistant coach Tony Stubblefield more? And on the heels of that question, Zach, does Dana Altman need to shake up his assistant coaching staff and find someone akin to Tony Stubblefield? You know, I don't, it, it's tough to see what the assistant coaches bring to the field as far as numbers. That's not discrediting any of them. It's just that I, I don't have a quantitative way of measuring their success and their contributions to the team. So for that reason, I mean, I know the Stubblefield leaving was a, a huge loss for the team and it, it definitely affected the coaching staff a little bit, but I don't think that means that Dana Altman needs to no, make some firings and make some new hirings. I think it's more that this was a, a bit of an aberration year for the Ducks. I mean, Dane Altman has played the transfer portal as well as anyone over the years, and this one just didn't quite work out. I mean, that's that's going to happen sometimes. That doesn't mean I think he needs to change his philosophies going forward and, and try and only get three, four-year players on the team and, and get a group that can play together for a long time. I just think that he's, you know, try again and hopefully it'll work better next time. And if we're looking at next year, I think that he's got some really good recruits coming in. We've got Dior Johnson, Kalel Ware, a couple of five-star players coming in. And uh, I'm excited for the future, but to go back to your question about Chris Duarte, uh, I think that's, that's who we thought that Will Richardson could be this year. We, we really needed a leading scorer, a leader on the team, a leader in the locker room, especially when you consider how many new faces were on this team. I mean, it's it's just like these guys still don't really know how to play together, which is crazy to say this late in the season. But it's because, I mean, they don't have that much experience playing together. And so when you have a team like that, I think it's even more important to have a leader and an alpha in the locker room to kind of get everyone under his wing and and get everyone going in the right direction. And that's something that they definitely missed this year after Duarte left. So following up on that, you know, so you had Duarte last year. Of course, you had... Uh, eighth-year senior Peyton Pritchard you played, uh, you know, <laughs> played 20 million years in Eugene to you know, the chagrin of everyone else in the Pac-12 because he was such a stone-cold killer. You had Dylan Brooks. I mean, like, so Oregon's had these alpha dogs 
uh, on the roster. So as we look to next season, I know it's kind of early. I know that, you know, Dana Allman's going to work the portal, but you know, if you had a prediction in terms of who becomes that alpha next year to galvanize this team, bring Oregon back to where the program expects to be, who do you think is going to be that guy? You know, we don't know everyone leaving yet. I mean, there's, we know that Will Richardson, Will Richardson is going to be gone. We know that Jacob Young is out of eligibility as is Eric Williams, but there's guys like Davion Harmon um, and Quincy Garrier who could come back for another year. We really hope that Folly Dante chooses to return. He's, if I had to lean one way, he's probably going to test the draft waters because he's had a lot of injury history and I wouldn't be shocked to see him try and go get the bag while he can, while he's still healthy. But um, if I had to put money on it, I think Davion Harmon, if he returns, can be that veteran guy. He just came, it'll only be his second year in the program, but he's someone that has shown some leadership and shown some ability to play in the big moments this year. And uh, I think that Altman likes him a lot. I think the teammates like him a lot and the fans seem to like him a ton too. So um, assuming that he returns, I think he's the guy to come up, but this is a outside of the starting five. This is a pretty young team. There's a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores and then uh, several recruits coming in and young transfers next year. Zach, I don't know if we'll get the chance to talk to you before March madness starts. So I want to kind of put you on the spot the Pac-12 had a wonderful year last year with their uh, their performance in the NCAA tournament. So if you had one team, if, if, if let's say Oregon isn't in the mix, maybe mm-hmm. Colorado finds some way to get into it. But if it does wind up being a three-team league, USC, UCLA, and Arizona, who are you pulling for for conference pride? I, I've been saying this for the past few weeks. I already chosen my champion in my brackets and it's going to be Arizona. Uh, you know, when they're, when they're playing their best, I don't see many teams that can beat them. And so I know that anything can happen in March madness, but uh, I, I just think that they're head and shoulders above a lot of teams. And I think that they've got a really good thing going up and super impressed with their coaching staff with Tommy Lloyd coming in their first year and getting that thing going. Um, yeah, I, I know that that's a little bit shock. I don't, we'll see what seed they get with after selection Sunday, but, uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with what they can do. And I think they might have a chance to go all the way. Zachary Neal, you can follow him on Twitter. Zachary with an H not a K Zachary C Neal N E E L. He and Don Smalley and Andy Patton do a fantastic job over at ducks wire. And I know that, you know, with Oregon's basketball struggles, well, in the men, you can still follow the, their coverage of the Oregon women. They will be in the NCAA tournament, so you're going to get that at Ducks Wire. And, of course, covering Dan Lanning and spring football, we're here over at Trojans Wire covering Lincoln Riley. So, you know, spring football, not too far away, and we're definitely going to be loading up each of our respective webs- websites with that. But, of course, this week it's still Pac-12 tournament week. So, Zach, thanks for helping us to – Break down the Pac-12 tournament. Give us some insight into Oregon. Hey, keep doing a great job at Ducks Wire, and thanks for coming back to us on the Trojans Wired podcast. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it.